Welcome to the No Coder Podcast. In today's episode, you will get the audio version of an interview with Arum Saigal, founder and CEO of Thunkable, a company that creates a no-code tool for the creation of mobile apps. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as we enjoyed recording it. We're living in a digital world, but only 0.3% of professionals know how to program, how to code. How can we keep going with only 0.3% doing the development work to create everything that the other 99.7% of professionals who need to use in their work. Recently, a group of companies has started to challenge this status quo. These companies are building what have become known as no-code solutions or no-code tools tools that allow non-technical people to create digital products. In this series of videos, we're going to talk to some of the people behind these companies. These are some of the movers and the shakers that are helping to push forward the no-code movement. Before we, we actually start, again, I'd just like to, to thank you for taking the time. This is... Uh, something that is it's not really new for me in terms of recording the stuff and all that, but putting the community together that, that we is what we're doing right now here in Brazil, and then we, we want to take it global uh, this towards the end of this month. It's been a really different and interesting experience. So it's great to get the support from some of you guys that have been working on that for a long time. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and excited for what you're doing. Uh, Gautam, who you've been in contact with, kind of gave me a bit of the background and it it sounds like you're, you know, you're you're putting together and becoming kind of a hub for uh, for the no code world, you know, in Brazil and, and outside. And I think that that's that's super exciting. And especially as uh, as as kind of the no code space is really growing and, and expanding, it's exciting to see. Uh, you know, things like what you're doing here. So very excited to be a part of it and uh, and looking forward to see kind of what comes out of uh, of everything that you're working on. It's 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 certainly been an interesting experience and it's so interesting to get to know a bit more about the stories behind the companies that uh, we kind of all take for granted as being there because when we got into the movement, they were already there. Absolutely. So... I guess um, I, we should start by asking you to give me or to give us uh, the idea of what is the difference of Thunkable? What does it bring to the to the table, to the marketplace that is different from other tools and from what was available before? Absolutely. So uh, again, thanks so much for having me. So to start off, uh, Thunkable is a drag and drop no code tool to build native Android, iOS, and mobile web apps. The, the idea behind Thunkable was, was that I, I was actually a, an Android engineer prior to starting Thunkable and I had worked uh, on building a number of different mobile apps. And one of the things I realized along with my team was that it was really hard for anyone to build mobile apps, whether you had no coding experience or you were you know, significantly trained and had lots of experience. I had worked at Google on the Android operating system. And even then we found it was really challenging to build 
you know, high quality native mobile apps. And so the story actually starts in 2008, 2009 timeframe, uh, when I was working uh, on, on research at MIT and we had a team at Google that we were collaborating with. And so iPhone had just launched 2007, soon after that, you know, Android is launching and we realized, hey, it's really hard to build mobile apps. Wouldn't it be cool if anyone could build their own mobile apps? Uh, anyone from kids to people at big companies, from non-engineers to very experienced software engineers, wouldn't it be awesome to have just a simple no-code tool for anyone to build their own mobile apps? We looked at the market and there was really nothing that was doing that. As you fast forward between the time we started our research project and 2015, when we started thinking about how do we turn this into a company, there were a few tools that had come out, but either they were still low-code tools that required you to actually write code, but instead of writing you know, Android, Java code, you could write maybe JavaScript web code and it would translate it, but at the end of the day, it was still, uh, it was still requiring you to code, or the tools were very simple and very constrained. So if you wanted to do something very specific, the tools that were in the market worked, but if you wanted something that lets you build anything you want with the power of the normal coding tools, but with the simplicity of a no-code tool, there was really nothing that actually bridged that gap. And so that's when we came into the market and we said, okay, we're gonna be a tool that's simple enough that anyone can use, but powerful enough that it actually allows you to build what you're trying to build. It actually works offline, plugs into your sensors, plugs into your hardware, and allows you to build a fully functioning, robust native mobile app without ever needing to know how to code. So in, in the end, what you're telling me is that you're, you got the idea from your own experience, right? From what you felt was lacking in the, in the market space for tools. Exactly. It, yeah, so that's mm -hmm. that's that's an interesting thing that I've, I've always kind of noticed that you know kind of the best solutions come from people who are uh, trying to scratch their own niche. That they have their their problems and they're trying to solve them. That that was exactly it for us. It was a problem that we had where I personally, along with my co-founder Way and a bunch of our teammates, we had been experienced engineers, but we just wanted a tool that was easier, that made it quick to deal with designs and prototypes, etc., as well as quick to build. And also so many experiences I had when people said, hey, Arun, can you build this app for me? And I said, uh, you should just build it yourself. And they said, but I don't know how to build it. I don't have a tool that lets me build. And I said, if only there was a tool that I could tell you to go use where all of a sudden you could build your solution. It would save me time because I wouldn't have to build it for you. But more than that, you as the creative should have the power to build your own solutions. If you have an idea, for the longest time, if you had an idea, you would spec it out, draw it on a napkin, go give it to uh, a software engineer and say, okay, now you go build the solution for me. And we said, that doesn't make sense because the software engineer doesn't have the empathy for the problem for the user that you, the creative have. What if we just gave you the tool and said, okay, here's the tool, you have the idea, now you can go build the app. That was something that we thought was really important. Uh, and it was something that we you know, recognized in our only daily lives in you know, talking to other users and friends and customers and we said it's really important that we give the tool to the people who actually have the ideas because that's how you know the issues are going to actually be solved is by empowering people to solve their own issues, not by saying, oh, you have a problem, great, go pay a boatload of money to some software engineer who doesn't understand that problem and hopefully they come up with a solution for you. That's never how the best solutions are created. 
it's as you said the solutions are created by the people who have the problems who have these personal experiences and so for us it was about building the tool to get them to be able to create their own solutions so considering that this is the way that we seem to to be moving these days i mean we've had this tremendous explosion of interest around no code tools uh, especially with all the COVID-19 uh, craziness that we've been going through for over the past several months. Uh, I noticed that there, while we, we had clearly a movement already started, it kind of really picked up steam over the last few months. What are your expectations for how no code is going to penetrate in, in the general market for software development? Um, um, I know that it, we're, quite far from a point of in which you could build uh, like personal productivity tools, uh, generally speaking, with no code. But for business applications and business related applications, we seem to be getting to a point where you can actually tell people that it isn't that much more complicated than building like an interactive PowerPoint presentation. How do you see this going forward and how do you imagine it's going to permeate the general usage for software development? Yeah, I, 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 I think you, this is a great question. And, and, you, and you made a point of how it's getting to be like an interactive PowerPoint presentation. And I think that that's actually a good way to phrase it, which is we're moving towards this world where, you know, people for a long time have lived in their own tools. You have designers who live in design tools, engineers who live in software development IDEs. Uh, business analysts who live in Excel uh, and, and maybe PowerPoint. And all of a sudden, all of these tools are becoming more powerful, but you're seeing folks who live in one tool who say, hey, I want to be in the other. So the designer who says, hey, I'm designing, but I actually want my designs to be able to plug into live data. I want my designs to be more than just static mocks, but actually to be state dependent and interactive. Similarly, you see business analysts who are saying, hey, I've done some stuff in Excel, but I actually want to present that data nicely. I want to be able to make it so that people can interact with it and it can update live and they don't need to keep emailing me to just keep going and updating the spreadsheet. And so I think naturally the questions that are being asked and the things that are wanting to be done are leading to a lot of people using no-code tools. If you look at, there, there's a bunch of research out there. I think Gartner has a report saying by 2024, there will be, I think, 65% of all software application development will be done using low-code or no-code tools. And something like 75% of the largest companies out there will be using four or more low-code or no-code tools. That, that's what those reports are saying. And I think if you look at where the market is going and when the trends are going, it, it seems pretty obvious that, that that's where the world is shifting. Where, as I said earlier, the people who are creatives who have ideas are saying, hey, how can I solve my own problems? Similarly, businesses, as they're thinking about reducing costs and making themselves more efficient, they're saying, hey, you who is a person not in a software engineering role, but who is actually critical to our business function, can we give you the tools to empower you to make you the most effective problem solver in our company? So, hey, if you're a designer and you're an ideas person, can we give you a tool that lets you take those ideas and translate them into functional apps? Hey, you who's a business analyst, you who has this specific business-related problem, can we give you the tools to allow you to turn the problems and the analyses you're doing 
into solutions, into apps, right? From every direction you go at, uh, the question is, how can I give you a tool to not just let you have an idea, but actually let you come up with a solution? You're seeing a huge shift already in the market to low-code and no-code tools. And I think in the next two, three, four years, you're going to see the majority of business shift the majority of their software development to these tools. I'm not saying that there aren't a couple of problems where they'll say, hey, you know, we have software engineers who are working on some really cutting edge technologies, some cutting edge artificial intelligence and machine learning, things like that. But I think for the vast majority of problems and the vast majority of apps that need to be built, no code tools are going to be the default platform that you use to build them. I, I kind of have this uh, impression that uh, going forward, even if you have uh, these, as you said, you have these people working on this sophisticated questions, this sophisticated uh, code that is really required for you to achieve something uh, which has never been done before, that you will end up building these things so that you can plug them into no-code tools. Absolutely. Right. That, that, I mean, that's what we're seeing today, even on our platform. What happens is people love using Thunkable. They love building on the platform. And then they say, hey, you know, I have this small thing that maybe I could do in Thunkable. I could write this complicated algorithm in Thunkable, but, you know, that's not where I think about doing this. Rather than for single, let me build everything outside of Thunkable. They say, okay, I'll build most of my app in Thunkable. There'll be this, you know, this one thing that I want to do, write this one algorithm or whatever. And then I just want to package it up and pull it into Thunkable so I can keep interacting with my app like this. Uh, in the early days, actually, of Thunkable, I used to, you know, build a bunch of apps. And I would do that, too, where I'd say, okay, I've written some, you know, code here. But it's, it's too complicated to manage this big app outside of Thunkable. So let me manage the app inside of Thunkable and then just pull in these specific things that I want that I've written outside of Thunkable into the tool. And I think exactly what you said is right, is that, you know, people are going to have these new things they're going to build. And then they're going to say, hey, why don't I package it up and pull it into my no-code tool? Or... I'll put it up and host it somewhere and then create an API and use the no-code tool to plug in, you know, to the API that I've created uh, and interact with whatever thing that I've made. And I think that's really where things are going today, where, you know, you're going to have some small things that code will need to do, but using the no-code tool for your front end, using the no-code tool to do the vast majority of the work that isn't reinventing the wheel that that's really i mean i think the 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 joys of this the, the further and further along the line we go and, and you can see that's happened in, in previous cases so we were talking about spreadsheets in excel earlier you have people who say okay i'm going to do the majority of my database work in excel and then for those special things i can use sql or something else but the vast majority of database work and analysis work can be done directly in in in, in spreadsheets and i think that kind of model is going to proliferate across the board it kind of makes a lot of sense when you consider that most uh, most data sets that people work with in their day-to-day -day lives, in their day-to-day -day work, aren't really that big. I mean, even you're, when you're managing a company, I can say this from personal experience, if you're managing a company of about 300, 400 people uh, doing, I don't know, 10, $12 million a year in revenue, your budget still isn't really crazy complex. You don't really have that many uh, lines of entries that you, you need to manage. So it makes sense sometimes. It, it, I mean, people do use spreadsheets for that. They have been doing it for a long time. Absolutely. But 
the spreadsheets lack the kind of the control that you can have of the interface on an application. So building like application interfaces for spreadsheets, which is, you know, something that proliferates quite a bit, it makes a lot of sense, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, it's something that we do and it's a use case people like where they can come to Thunkable and just say, hey, I'm going to plug in, you know, my already existing Google spreadsheet or Airtable or something like that uh, and just interact with it uh, through your app, uh, through an app that I make through Thunkable. Uh, that, that's, you know, something we see. And I think there's a lot of other things like that. Something else we're seeing is designers who say, hey, I have stuff in design tools. I want to pull it into Thunkable now and make it into a real app. That That's another thing we're seeing. And like I said, people live in all these different worlds and different tools, but they say, hey, I'd like to turn it into an app. And that's where Thunkable and other no-code tools, I think, are really um, you know, shift, shifting the landscape. And I think uh, you're going to see a lot more of that as we move forward. Let, let me shift into something which is uh, more kind of uh, behind the scenes stuff, which is the, the name Thunkable. How did you come up with that? And who had the idea for that? We were sitting and, uh, and the idea came just from a conversation I was having with a couple of teammates. Uh, and one day we were like, okay, so what should we call it? And we really liked the idea of being associated with thought. And so we said, hey, if you can think it, you can thunk it. And we and thunk felt like an action. So we said, cool, that that's it, thunk. And we wanted to do something. So we're like, okay, you should be able to thunk it. Thunkable. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so it really just came from the idea of you can think it, you can thunk it. Uh, additionally, there is a computer science concept called thunks. So for the few computer science nerds out there, uh, there's, a, there's a concept of thunks that were also built on top of. Uh, so it had a nice double meaning for us. So there, there you, you go. That's, this is the kind of thing that, I mean, it's general trivia, but it, it is interesting for the people that work with the, the tool to get to know a bit more about how the things got to be the way they are. I mean, I've, I've seen this in the past as we formed this new uh, global community of people that were working with these tools. And Thinkable is certainly one of the stars in this, in this space right now. Uh, people get really attached to the to the tools in the company and the people that work at the company, which I think it's great from uh, an interaction point of view. It, it gives back to the company uh, a stream of ideas or a stream of uh, comments that they can perhaps take to a, a next level of concept from the original idea. Absolutely. And it's interesting. I think that creating this bridge between the maker, the makers of the tools and the people that are using the tools to build their solutions. It's one of the things that we created our, our platform to do. And it is very nice to, to be doing this with you today and with the other people that we're going to be doing over the next couple of days and we've done previously is that it is a community that is still young enough that it is not really um, this. It hasn't distanced itself from from the people that are in the community. I mean, the companies themselves. Like, if you go into, uh, let's say, let's take Google for example. It's a good example. I mean, yeah. I know that internally, the, the the company's founders are supposed to be uh, accessible people that you can talk to in the whole, but. Uh, it isn't really easy for uh, a person that's using a Google service to 
get their opinions out and reach the company CEOs. And that is still the case for you know most of the companies that are working in this no-code space today, because uh, I think that the, the older companies, the, the ones that have been around for a longer time, are mostly low-code companies, yeah. like, uh, for example, OutSystems, mm-hmm. which has been around for, I think, 14, 15 years, something like that, yeah. the sort, at least. But they're in a different space, and not only because they're local, but because they're kind of uh, marketing directly to enter to the enterprise. So they don't really have this close proximity to community of people that are actually you know working with the tool. And I think that that is something that is a, a very interesting seasoning that you can bring into this cook pot. Yeah, I, I, you're 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 totally right. I think one thing that that I love about the no code space is the no code community. And if you go to so if you go to Thunkable, you go to community.thunkable.com. People are asking questions and responding to questions every day in 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 every country. I think we have users in every country outside of North Korea, and they are asking questions, interacting with each other in different languages and in different time zones. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. To, to see what a strong community there is, because I think it's not just about the tools you're building, but it's about the support you can get, the support you can give. And I think that's something so beautiful about the no-code community. And one of the reasons I'm really, you know, blessed to be a part of it. And to your point of the leaders being accessible, I think, you know, with newer age companies, you recognize that uh, as a leader, and this is something that's super important to me, that you're actually hearing what the problems are that the users are facing, that you're talking to the users, you're interacting with them. You know, I every week I spend some time on our community forums. I spend some time on our various customer support. We call it creator success. I change. I spend various time on our creator success channel. Um, I'm usually interviewing one or two customers or potential customers every week just to make sure that I know what's going on. Because I think, you know, if you get removed enough from the problems on the ground, uh, it's it, it's hard to actually steer the ship in the right direction. And I think that's something that's really important to me. It's really important to us as a company. And I think even more generally so, it's really important to the no-code community. And I think that's one of the reasons I love being in this space is just to see the ingenuity and creativity of community members, but also to be able to have those genuine interactions of people who really love Thunkable and love our tool and also just love the space on the whole and are really trying to push it forward. Like this conversation today, I'm, I'm so happy to be speaking with you because as you said, you know, bridging you know, the tools and, and their people with the people using them is so important. And I think like you and many others in the community, you know, spending that time coming from a good place, really trying to bridge that gap is so important. And especially in the early days of the community, uh, I think something that matters so much right now is you know, making sure that people know about no code. When people say, oh, who are you worried about in your competition? It's not a name of a company. It's it's the fact that people don't all know about the no code tools. It's that people aren't involved in the community. That's the biggest thing I'm afraid about. And the way to combat that is to spend the time in the community and further, you know, that and foster um, those bonds with the community. And so I, I think you're so right. And, and that's one of the reasons I love doing uh, what we do. Well, um, can you, coming from that perspective of getting to know the, the, the end users, can you give us an example of a, a situation or in which Thunkable actually made like a, a company viable, that it actually uh, 
empowered people to create something that they wouldn't have been able to do before because they didn't have the, the cash to hire that expensive engineer or engineers in plural form. Absolutely. There's, uh, there are many examples that, that I love and I'll, I'll share. Yeah, I can, I can share one right now, the first that comes to mind, but I have, um, you know, many that I love to talk about. And, and what's fun about it is when you ask that question, I have all these examples that come to mind that are totally different in different parts of the world. Some for large, you know, billion dollar companies, some for individuals that, as you said, didn't have the capital. And I'll give you one example of that. Um, so there's a, there's a gentleman who I've come to know over the years um, who's based in Yemen, um, a gentleman by the name of Anwar. And he is a, you know, fantastically talented and smart guy, um, but doesn't, doesn't have a, a coding background, doesn't have software development experience. Um, so something that you may or may not know about Yemen, which I didn't know at the time, was that Yemen uh, in 2014 got into a civil war that's been ongoing, you know, for the last six plus years. And uh, as part of the civil war, uh, one of the techniques that people have used has been to uh, take out the other side's energy source because that's a you know serious way to cripple them. If you take out uh, you know their power plants, etc., it, it's hard for them to see so on and so forth. It makes a lot of sense. So there was a big transition in Yemen, 2015, 2016, to solar power. So people actually had solar panels, and that way they didn't have to be reliant on an energy grid or a specific energy plant, and they could just you know manage their own energy. Uh, you know, Yemen has a lot of sun. It's in a, it's in a place. Um, that that solar power is actually viable. So there was a big shift to solar power, but one thing that came up uh, that was an issue was people didn't actually know, how do I manage my solar power? So how do I manage the panels? How do I tilt them during the day as the sun is going? Uh, if it comes to evening time, how can I check that I actually have enough power to get me through to the next day? And so this gentleman, Anwar, uh, was one of the many Yemeni uh, folks who was facing this problem. So he said, okay, why don't I build an app for that? There, there was no app for that. There was nobody really looking at this problem. There were people looking at the humanitarian crisis in Yemen, but weren't looking at the technology solutions that they needed. And so Anwar just, you know, finds Thunkable after, you know, looking online, Google's around, finds us. He says, okay, this looks like it can do what I need to. And again, as I said earlier, he said, hey, this is simple enough that I can use it, but powerful enough that it actually does what I need to, because he needed to plug into his Bluetooth to actually make sure he could communicate with the solar power, uh, the solar panels, and so on and so forth. So he built an app on Thunkable in Arabic and in English uh, and, and posted it, launched it to the, the Play Store, uh, and you know just used it for himself and his family and his friends. And pretty quickly, over half a million businesses and families in Yemen were using his app to actually manage their solar power. Not only that, but it actually really helped the country of Yemen uh, with their energy needs, so much so that the Minister of Energy for the country uh, actually sought out Anwar and gave him an award for the phenomenal work he, he did. Started being covered in the press, so on and so forth. And he's actually now built a relationship with one of the largest energy companies uh, in Yemen, and, and he's working with them. And what 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 what's fun about this story is it's not just it is a it is a story about you know social good etc and it's something that really you know was a problem that sitting in Silicon Valley we weren't looking at we weren't solving it wasn't something that I was aware of uh, but there was an entire country that was hurting and by empowering Anwar and giving him the tools that he needed to solve his own problems he was able to you know in, in not that grandiose statement he was he was giving the country of Yemen 
light, right? He was giving them power. And that's so phenomenal. And not just that, but he built a business around it. It wasn't just a feel-good app. He actually has a business and an organization he's now running around this app that he made, which just started as an idea because he had a problem. These stories are phenomenal because it is a way that we actually truly see how the evolution of technology has empowered people all around. We can actually now do the work that uh, it took a huge company to do a couple of years ago. And I believe that the no-code movement is really pushing us in, in that direction of the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also is just, it's allowing us to solve so many problems that may otherwise go unsolved. Like whether it's this problem in Yemen or, or another simpler example is, you know, in, in, in the USA where I'm based, uh, there was, you know, after the, the lockdowns because of the pandemic, businesses started going back into business. And there's a gentleman by the name of Joe who said, hey, our businesses are opening up again. How do we actually make sure we're opening up safely? Do we, you know, how do we track how many customers are coming in and out uh, of, you know, our, our basic mom and pop shop? And, and, and he wanted an app for that. There wasn't anything out there. The solutions he was able to find or that he would have to contract would cost a lot of money. He built an app on Thunkable called Customer Counter just to help track basic things. And then it plugged in uh, to a back end that he could see analytics or anyone in the store could see, okay, how many people are coming in? Is everyone being safe and social distancing? A simple example of, hey, this is a problem. It's something that we need to open up. No one had built apps like this before because, well, you know, we haven't built in a, been, been in a pandemic since, since, uh, since the, the concept of apps has come about. Mm -hmm. And so he needed a solution. He didn't have necessarily the crazy money to fund it. And so just built a solution for himself, custom, custom tailored it to his specific business. And there it is. And that, that's something that's allowed him to open up with confidence safely every day that without Thunkable, he wouldn't have been able to do. That's another great story. Uh, Aram, can you give us, so that we, for us to, to wrap up our conversation, can you give us an ex examples of other companies that you think that are moving in what we would say we might call like the right direction with no code tools. I mean, it, it can be about any any kind of no code usage. And we've currently have 161 tools mapped. So there is a huge space out there. So what are the other players that you think are making good progress? Yeah, I, I mean, I will, I actually want to say, you know, on the whole, I, I think there's just, such amazing progress from from every direction. I think both the startups that are coming about that are doing this, as well as the big players who are now shifting to realizing, hey, we need tools like this, right? So there's there's every kind of tool. There's tools that's saying, okay, websites, you know, we need to build web apps now. Uh, there are people saying, okay, we need no code mobile app tools. But it's not just that basic stuff. There 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 are tools that are saying okay, docs should actually be app and be apps and they should actually be functional. They shouldn't just be places that you write things down. Spreadsheets should be apps. You should be able to interact with them. Design tools shouldn't just be static tools. They should be apps and actually, you know, be more functional. And the big companies who all have their, you know, what used to be coding tools that became low code tools are now saying there should be no code tools. And I think this idea of everything can be an app and everything should have a no-code way to make that app is so, so valuable. And I think there's a tremendous number of tools and a great amount of progress being made 
across the board. And that's something that's so exciting to me that, you know, I, again, I'm happy to, you know, list specific tools if we want, but I think more than that, the fact that from every direction, people are thinking about, hey, how do we make this, you know, a layer easier so that we can get a lot more done? Because I think you see something like, I think it said that one in a thousand people uh, can or will actually learn how to code an app. So one in a thousand is a is a small, small number. And the amount of problems, the amount of apps that need to be built, the amount of custom solutions that need to be built is much, much more than you know, one per every thousand people. And so how do we how do we change that? Well, it's by getting the tools to the people who need it and making them accessible. And I think that's what's beautiful about what's happening right now in no code is every every single tool in every direction is recognizing that hey, we need to be no code. And it's everyone from small tools like us to the big, you know, Fortune 500s or even you know smaller top companies who are saying, oh shoot, we need to launch a new no-code tool. And, and it's fun because every other day you hear about some new companies starting saying, hey, they're going to solve this problem in no-code. And you also hear about a new big company saying, hey, we're all of a sudden investing in this problem in no-code uh, that, that that never existed before. So both, both sides you see kind of coming at the problem. And, and this is just so exciting for me because I think, you know, every, every direction there are tools coming there are a bunch of different approaches people are taking. Some people are trying to be very, very, you know, focused and very small in their focus. Some are trying to say, hey, we're trying to do it all. There are tools like Thunkable that are saying, hey, we're going to be really functional, allow you to do kind of all the things you want to do in in mobile, in design, in backend stuff. We're going to plug into all your other tools. Uh, there are tools that are saying, hey, we're just going to be the one master tool. Uh, but what I think the important thread here is that everybody is saying, hey, we need to move the world to a more no-code place. We need to move the world to a more equitable place where people who have problems shouldn't be limited by how much money they can spend, but rather should be only limited by their own creativity. And that's what's happening right now in the no-code space and happening in the world. And that's why I'm so honored to be a part of this space. And I'm so excited to see what the next two, three, four, five, ten 10 years hold as everyone kind of becomes a software engineer and everyone has access to these no-code tools. Well, Arm, thank you very much for taking the time to, to chat with me and to share with the viewers your vision of how this thing's, this movement is evolving. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It, it's such a such a treat to work with you, and I I love what you know what your organization is doing, and I'm so excited um, to see kind of the more that the community is coming together, and the more things like what you're doing with interviews and and and, and tools and community guides, etc. I think it's so important, and uh, I'm so excited you know to be to be with you today and to be with this community, and and very excited to see what the future holds for us all as we all push this movement forward together.